greetings in the worthy name of Jesus. <clears throat> I invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> the Gospel of Luke in chapter 14. <clears throat> I want to read a, a part of the chapter. <clears throat> and um, it's actually the, the middle to the last part of, of the chapter. Um, and uh, you could call this uh, Jesus on Discipleship. Before, uh, before I read, I would invite you, uh, um, I'm going to invite you to stand as I read these verses. You know, in some cultures, I understand it is uh, typical and normal to stand for the reading of the word. In the way we've been meeting together for the past, past few months, we don't get much exercise, and so probably... Uh, uh, moving around a little bit can be good for us in more than, more than one way. And so uh, <clears throat> I want to read uh, verses 11 through 33. This is Luke chapter 14, verses 11 through 33. And uh, if you would like, I invite you to stand for the reading of the word. <clears throat> Luke chapter 14, beginning to read at verse 11. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come! For all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore... I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly unto the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he hath hath sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You may be seated. I debated whether to, where, where to start reading uh, in this passage and on this subject, and I, um, of course, decided to start at verse 11. The Holy Spirit, we, we believe, of course, in the inspiration of the Scripture, and I, I'm sure that the Holy Spirit moved in the heart of Dr. Luke to put these words together and to present them to us uh, in this order and in this way. And so, um, so I begin at verse 11. In light of the rest of the passage, for whosoever exalteth himself And one can exalt himself in various ways and forms. It may be in ways to make an impression upon people. It may be in ways to fulfill one's own lusts. To say that my feeling, my thinking, how what I want to do is more important than the desire of Jesus for me in my life. I say there's various ways to exalt oneself. It's interesting. um, What follows in the next few verses there. Uh, I I found it interesting how Jesus said as he began to speak uh, in verse 12. He used the word dinner and supper, and then he called it a feast in verse 13. Um, and this was one of the way of saying, you know, a person may, may plan a meal and in a way to exalt himself. He may plan a meal to, uh, 
to have special people in, uh, you know, special high ups, people that are high and respected to come to his house. So he may exalt himself in that way because of his association with certain special up and going people. Or he may plan a meal to let people know how good uh, he can cook or she can cook or something. And so one could exalt himself in a few different, couple of different ways by, by such a thing that Jesus described here. Again, he called it a dinner, then he called it a supper, then he called it a feast. <clears throat> and he said, you, you don't need to do that to be blessed of God, to have the blessing of God, to have the grace of God, to have the mercy of God on your life. So then after he had said that, you have verse 15. And uh, it seems like this man that, that spoke that in verse 15 was trying to lift himself up and make himself look good in the eyes of, of Jesus. Uh, as if to say, wow, you know, blessed, blessed are, are ones. And he was trying to like a, make a spiritual application here, not only in the eyes of Jesus, but in the ears of those that may be hearing him say this. Blessed are those that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And trying to exalt himself uh, in that way, by impressing Jesus and those that heard how, how, how he could make a nice spiritual application to this thing of having a meal for guests and so forth. Blessed is he that uh, shall eat bread in the kingdom of, of God. And then Jesus gave this story. I want to call... <clears throat> Oh, I will call. I actually heard somebody have a, a devotional or a Bible study on part of this uh, one time, and they, they broke it down into these three parts, and I'm doing that uh, for this purpose uh, this morning. And so this first section of verses where we have the supper was given, the invitation was given for people to come to the supper, and Example is given of three excuses that they did not end up coming. They would not come because of their excuses. You know, Jesus is calling me. Jesus is calling you today. Jesus has called young people into his kingdom. Jesus is calling me and you to, to come closer to him, to give up our selfish ways, and to follow him more closely. And too often we make excuses and we delay, and we put it off, and we defer the calling of Christ on our lives. So the first section we'll call discipleship deferred. And that's these verses here about the supper and the people that made excuse not to come. So discipleship here is deferred. It's put off. Defer, the word defer is used in a couple of different, at least a couple of different ways in the way we use it. Uh, defer can be used in a very positive way to, to, uh, to let someone else go first. To be respectful and, and defer to another, let someone else go first or do first or eat first or whatever. Okay, that's good. But then defer is also used in... Uh, <clears throat> at times to, to delay or to put off 
or to postpone something that we should be doing now. And in most cases, that's a, a bad thing. Yes, it, it is wrong if we should be doing it now, but we keep putting it off and deferring. Well, these men certainly deferred when Christ said, come. Christ said, come to me for blessing. Come to me for grace. Come to me to be satisfied at this meal I'm preparing. Or this, this was an example of a man that, 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 that did this. Um, they had the blessings in front of them. The grace of God in front of them. They could have been satisfied, but they, with their own excuses, their own selfish ways, put it off. Disciples, they should have been following. Discipleship deferred. I don't want to take a lot of time with these three excuses, but we should take a little time. These are the words of Jesus. And he put, said things the way he, they, they should have been said, and he, he put things in the order that they should be in. So let's look at it quickly. So these excuses, these men with the excuses, come in verses, as you see here, verses 18, 19, and 20. Let me just, I've underlined in my Bible, in verse 17, the word come. Well, I also underlined the word bad at the end of verse 16. This is Christ's invitation to all of us. Whether you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and, and the Lord is speaking to you, or whether you're 65 years old and, um, or 45 or whatever, or 25 or 15, you know, uh, God is calling us to a deeper walk with him and to, and to lay aside the worldly things and the things that Satan would like us to be, get caught up in and to put him first. So we are invited in verse 16. He says, come in verse 17. Again, now we get to these three excuses in 18, 19, and 20. The first one said in the middle of verse 18, I have bought a piece of ground and must needs go see it. That wasn't too bad of an excuse, I guess, you know. Didn't he look at it first? Well, you know, real estate is, is probably, for in many cases, it's, it's, uh, it's an asset regardless of what condition it's in. Usually it's, uh, you know, they don't make it anymore. You know? <laughs> so, and so, yes, it's, it's an asset. Uh, most real estate is. So, uh, well, that's the first one. The next one said, I have bought... Um, Five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. Now that that was a, a worse, certainly a worse excuse. I mean, those oxen would be almost absolutely worthless if 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 they if they wouldn't work. And it seems like here he he has to he already bought them. Now he's got to see if they're worth anything. That was a pretty lame excuse, a pretty poor excuse. And then the third excuse, in verse twenty. Another said, I have married a wife, wife, and therefore I cannot come. How sad. Young, young fellows, if you're thinking about marrying a wife one day, we'll get to verse 26 shortly. 
But if, if anyone comes between you and God, if anyone keeps you away from being closer to God and falling closely to God, God, God help you. And when you think about a wife and, and marrying a wife, you should be thinking about somebody that will help you be a, a, a closer follower to Christ and a better Christian, not one that will take you away from the Lord and will question your convictions and your beliefs and your actions <clears throat> when they are godly, you know. I have married a wife and I cannot come. Discipleship deferred. They should have been following close to Christ, following close to their master, and they're putting it off. All three of them, put it off, put it off, put it off. I, I believe these are just simply examples. You know, you could put many, you could make up many more examples. These are just three examples that Jesus gave in this story. Is there something in life that's causing you to defer? To put off the invitation of Christ. To be a, a better disciple. To, to, to not come when he says come. To lay down some things of the world. To lay down the same things of the self. We're, the self is coming up here soon in these next verses. I already said I, I, I know that the Holy Spirit uh, inspired Dr. Luke to, to write these words and to put them in this order. And the next portion is, is coming, of course. Notice what, how Jesus stopped this, ended this, this illustration, this story, with verse 24. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper... That sounds rather serious, does it not? They deferred, and they deferred too long. They deferred too much. And it was seemingly too late for them. Well, there we have discipleship deferred. Let's look at, look at the next couple of verses. Actually, you have what's happening in verse 25, and then what Jesus says in the next two verses, verses 26 and 27. And here we can call these verses by Jesus discipleship defined. So he, what is this discipleship? He's going to tell us what it is in these next couple of verses. He's going to define it. These men in the earlier verses deferred from discipleship. Now Jesus is going to tell us what it really is. What is discipleship? He's going to define it in these next couple of verses. You see, this, this last man let his wife get in his way in verse 20. And now look what Jesus says about the definition of discipleship in verse 26 and 27. Verse 26. If any man come to me, remember I pointed out, Come in verse 17. I pointed out bad, the invitation in verse 16. Now Jesus says in verse 26, if any man come, 
to me. And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You say, what does he mean by hate these people? And I looked in several places and all of them agree. They don't disagree over the meaning of this verse. Commentators don't. Jesus was using this strong language to say that no earthly person, no thing, and not even people that are close to you in relationship can come above me and, and, and your walk with me and, and my relationship with you. Nothing can come between you and, and discipleship. By the way, let's just talk about the word disciple just a moment. I didn't say anything about that at the beginning. <clears throat> but disciple is a learner. In, in the Greek, the New Testament Greek that this is coming from, uh, a disciple is a learner, therefore a pupil. And then the meaning goes on to mean then a follower and an imitator of your teacher. A follower and imitator of your teacher because you are a learner and a pupil of this teacher. <clears throat> if any man come to me and yet puts legitimate relationships above coming to me, then he cannot be my disciple. And you see what the man did in verse 20. And we've talked about that, of course, already. That's the first part of verse 20, 26. Look how verse 26 then ends. Yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now you say, what, what is, what, how far does that go? What does that mean in his own life also? Well, Jesus didn't leave us hanging. He described it in the very next verse. Verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's not the only place that kind of phrasing is used in the words of Jesus in the New Testament. It is used, I believe, in, I, I know it's used in Matthew and Mark. It's used um, another time in, in Luke about bearing one's cross. What does it mean? Jesus didn't just say that in a flippant way that people didn't understand. The cross was for crucifixion. You, you know that. You understand the ways uh, at that time. 
The cross was for crucifixion. The cross was for putting someone to death. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. And whosoever, verse 27, doth not bear his cross. And you know the story of Jesus going to be crucified. He was carrying his cross, and that was common. That was the custom. For the one that, to be executed to carry his own cross to the place of execution. And you know the story also. Jesus apparently was so weak from, from all that he had gone through before going to the Calvary that he, he, he stumbled and could not carry it apparently and someone else had to carry his cross for him. But this was the way it was done. Verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross, carrying your cross to crucify yourself, carrying your cross to put yourself, self, your big self, to death, that's what he's talking about. And in doing that, getting self out of the way so you can come after me. That's the next words, of course, after the cross part. Come after me. This is discipleship defined. Are you going that far with Christ? Am I going that far with Christ? That we're, we're, we're getting self out of the way. We're putting our own selfish ambitions aside. We're, we're, we're putting them to death. The things I want to do, the things I think are important, we're putting those aside to follow Christ. Bear his cross, carry his cross to the place of death. Do that, get rid of self, put self to death, follow after Christ. If we don't do that, Jesus said in verse 27, we cannot be his disciple. He, that's, that's the definition of discipleship. Now then, the last portion that we have read and we are looking at now, and that is verses 28 to, 20 to 33. And one could call this discipleship defended. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you now why. Why it is this way. How it is. I'm defending what I just said. I'm defending my definition of discipleship. Discipleship def uh, defended. Notice how he begins with verse 28. He, he, he's telling you why or for. He begins with the word for. I've defined it. Now this is, this is the why. For this is the reason. For. And notice how he ends up in verse 33 by saying, so likewise. How does he do it? He, he, he does that with two illustrations. As you have seen, we've read. <clears throat> the first illustration is in uh, verses 28, 29, and 30. And then the second illustration is in verses 31 
and 32. Let's look at these illustrations. Verse 28 to 30. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to, to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. It's interesting he, he used the word tower and not just a house or something. I don't know if it makes any difference, but a tower is, is very tall, you know. <laughs> a tower's up. If people knew you were going to build a tower and you stopped with the footer, <laughs> you stopped with the foundation, <laughs> but you were going to build a, a tower, you know, <laughs> and you stopped down here. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? But no, someone that's going to build a tower looks ahead. This is what he does. He sacrifices initially to be victorious. He sacrifices at the beginning to finish the race. He sacrifices at the beginning before he starts so that he can complete the project. He sacrifices before he starts with the future in mind. Let's look at the next illustration, verses 31 and 32. Or, what king, going to make war against another, saith not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, you know, he's going to do this one or the other. He's going, to very, he's going to consider how this could even be possible. Or he's going to, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. That's a smart man, of course, you would say. Of course, yes. He sacrifices something in order to be victorious. He sacrifices now... For future results. Jesus is defending his meaning of discipleship. In both cases, these, these illustrations, they're sacrificing now or they sacrificed before they started for the future, whether it be talking about next month or eternity. I ask us together, myself and, and, and you all together with me, what are we sacrificing? What are you sacrificing to be following close to, closer to Jesus next month or in eternity? These men in the first verses we looked at, where they had an invitation to come to the feast, to come to the supper, 
they wouldn't sacrifice their desire to go check out their land. They wouldn't sacrifice their desire to go check their cows. They wouldn't bring their wife with them to the feast. Their own things were more important than following Christ. When Jesus said, come, when Jesus gave the invitation, when Jesus said, if any man come, this is a definition of discipleship. You can't let people stand in your way. You can't say, well, I got to have this courting relationship first or something, and then I, I might be able to come. Or I, I, I got I, I, I to do this job or make this money, you know, or own, own this whatever. And then, and then I'll, I'll try to get right with God. Verse 26 says we have to lay those things aside. Not only do we have to lay those things aside, we actually have to put old man to death. And of course, we know the Apostle Paul talked amply about that. He talked about it because Jesus had before he did. Bear our cross, going to the place of execution. The execution of ourself, of our own selfish ways. And then coming after Jesus. Discipleship was deferred, discipleship was defended by Jesus, defined by Jesus, and the discipleship was defended by Jesus. He told the where and the why and the wherefore in the last part. Now look at verse 33. So after he gave these two illustrations, uh, defending uh, the cause of discipleship, he ended with verse 33. So likewise, whosoever... He be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. We have to forsake relationships if we need to. We have to forsake things. We have to forsake our own selfish desires. Or we can't be a disciple of Christ. That's what Jesus said. I underlined uh, all here in my Bible in verse 33. And the word all, um, I don't believe, is, is used uh, otherwise in this passage concerning that uh, aspect but it's, it's certainly there. The thought is certainly there. We have to forsake all excuses. The first part. We have to forsake, be willing to forsake all relationships, if that's what it takes. We have to be willing to put to death all of our selfish desires, if that's what they are. And so Jesus used the word, all, after he had said those things, then he used the word all here in verse 33. So likewise, who, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all 
that he hath. Cannot be not my disciple, Jesus said. <clears throat> Jesus, um, Jesus says, come. Jesus has given the invitation. Jesus has described discipleship. He's defined it. He's defended it. Um, and really, this message is for people of all ages that can understand what I'm saying uh, this morning. We talked about, uh, before the message, those that uh, in the last uh, while have made personal decisions for Jesus Christ and have made a uh, public announcement about it. Um, <clears throat> but Jesus is calling to discipleship and to a closer walk with him, people of all ages, whether you've named his name already and, and, and committed yourself to him as your personal savior or, or not. You are included is what I'm trying to say. So back when I was about, probably about 10 years old, uh, uh, I knew the Lord was calling me uh, to make that decision for him. And... Uh, I didn't respond right away, uh, and my uh, my sister Rosanna, she she uh, she had a way of helping me, and by writing a letter to me one day, and I, and I I don't remember of course exactly the words she wrote, but uh, uh, this was the essence of the letter. She said, uh, like Nathan, uh, isn't isn't God calling you? Well, then why don't you respond? And uh, so I've, I've responded uh, to the call of Christ uh, at many times uh, since then. And, uh, and most of you have too, when God has, the whole, through the Holy Spirit, tapped you on the shoulder and said, you know, you need to do this, or this is the way to go, or this is what I expect of you, or this is how you can be a better blessing to the church and to your community, and this is what I have for you, uh, you know. And so uh, you've responded to his calls throughout life. I know you have, and, and, and praise God for that. Uh, maybe there's some area in your life uh, that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has been uh, speaking to in the recent past, in the last year, the last few months, the last few weeks that uh, you need to respond to uh, because you know now the, the definition, not just now because I said it, but you know from God's word and through the Holy Spirit, the definition of discipleship. You know how Jesus has defended discipleship, and I trust you're not deferring when it comes to discipleship, being a follower and a learner and a pupil of Jesus Christ. I want us to conclude this, this morning by singing uh, in our songbooks number uh, 229. You can turn to number 229 if you would, please. <clears throat> Let's look at just a moment before we, we sing it. <clears throat> 229. <clears throat> and of course, as you see, it's a song Jesus calls us. It's interesting how the writer was, was writing to, uh, to Christians, 
because that's what they said at the end of the very first verse. It wasn't a song uh, to call someone to the, to the Savior for the first time, to make that initial commitment to Jesus Christ for, a person, for your personal Savior, but it was calling to Christians. Saying, Christian, follow me. That's what Jesus said in the passage we read. He said, come. The word come was used two or three times. An invitation was used, bidding us another time or two. Notice verse 2. Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden store. You think those men in that first section when they made excuse about the land they had to look at, the oxen they had to go look at, the wife they had to marry. Uh, um, you think verse 2 applies to them? The, the, the vain world was, was, was just crying out to them. Come to me first. Do this first. Enjoy the pleasures of this world first. Take care of self first. That's what was happening. And so they deferred, they deferred, they deferred the call of Christ. Remember the last verse of that section? Jesus said, those will never eat with me. Following this vain world's golden story, see, that's what they were doing. They, they had idols that were bigger than Jesus. From each idol that would keep us. Do you love Jesus more? Do you love him more? Saying, Christian, love me more. But sometimes we let so little things, earthly things, stand in the way of our discipleship with Jesus. Verse 3, in our joys and in our sorrows, days of toil and hours of ease, still he calls in cares and pleasures. Yes, they're out there. There's many cares out there. Things that, things that we think are so important. Pleasures that we just would like to get caught up in. We enjoy getting caught up in. Christian, love me more than these. And then notice how the, the fourth verse is written. As you see the, the colon after the first phrase. The writer just making that statement. Jesus calls us. Yes, he does. He's calling us. He's calling you. He's calling me today. Jesus calls us. And then we have the prayer of the one in mind here. And the prayer is this. The commitment is this. By thy mercies, Savior, may we hear thy call. Give our hearts to thine obedience. Serve and love thee. Best of all. Over and above the cows and the land and the relationships. And the other thousand things that the devil might have for you, you know? I trust if, if the Lord is uh, asking you to take care of, of, of something in your life that uh, you would do that today. Uh, maybe you're a, a very young person that knows you need to 
make something right with, with God. You need to make a commitment to him as your Lord and Savior. Uh, you could share that with your parents. Uh, maybe you're a husband that needs to talk to your wife about something. Maybe you're a wife that needs to talk to your husband about something. Uh, I could go on, you know, it could go on with, with various illustrations of something that, that you need to do. You need to respond to the call of Christ to, 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 to be more like him, to be his disciple. Rather than deferring, you need to listen to the definition of Jesus, of what a disciple is. I trust you, you would... Uh, Make that choice and do what needs to be done in your own heart and life and in mine also so that we can say yes to the call of Christ. So, Joe, would you come and lead the song for us, please? <laughs>